Hey, Pie Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode here of the Passive Income Examiner. Today, bringing you another amazing guest as always. That's the mission. Uh, We have Dustin Heiner from, let's see, what is, is it successfully unemployed the name of your business? Because I see that on your shirt. So I have, yeah, I have a couple different, actually quite a few businesses. When you become successfully unemployed, I was 37 years old when I quit my job. And with that, I have so much more time to build other businesses. So my main business is real estate investing. And then from there, I had lots of friends and family members asking me how they how I invest and then asking me to teach them. So I started Master Passive Income. That's where I teach and coach and just give away free content on how to do it. Then I had so much extra free time that I created Successfully Unemployed, which is another brand that I have. It's basically a passion project of mine, interviewing people who have become successfully unemployed in so many other ways, because I love real estate, but that's just one way. There's so many other ways. So I just interview everybody who has become successfully unemployed. And I have a few other brands as well that make me money because I had so much extra time because I was able to become successfully unemployed. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm glad I asked. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and kind of how you got to having so much free time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and I I really appreciate having me on the show. I, I love talking about passive income and I love I love real estate, but it's it's mostly what it affords me to do with my life. Literally, not have to work a job, being able to play with my kids and do whatever I want. So, like I said, I quit my job when I was 37 years old, and I call a job a job, an acronym for just over broke, because you're living just over broke as you're working for somebody else. And then I found out about passive income. So. I've always been entrepreneurial in my life. Just growing up, I had my my dad. He was entrepreneurial. He had his own business. My my mom and he got divorced, and my stepdad also had a business as well. So I kind of got that understanding of you know having a business. So when I was uh, like 13, I had a newspaper route. It's where you get newspapers and your bike, and you ride around and you throw in my garage doors and bang them at 5 a.m. waking people up. I even had a graphic and website design company. Uh, gra- uh, on top of that, skateboard manufacturing business, a pizzeria, a convenience store, like all built up you know, from scratch. And I built those up. But at the same time, I was taught just like everybody was taught or is taught that you go to school, you get good grades. Then you get those good grades, and you go to college and you get in thousands and thousands of dollars into debt. And then you get more good grades and you take that piece of paper that they give you. It's called a degree. And you go and hopefully find a job, a quote unquote career in whatever company that somebody else started. So I was doing that at the same time because I figured that's what I was taught. That's the right way to go. So with that, I was working a regular nine to five job, you know, working for the county government, a county government in uh, California, doing IT work. No, nothing fancy or anything. And then I, with my businesses, they weren't really making me a ton of money. And then I bought one or two rental properties. And you know, once you buy real estate, it starts making you money passively. And I thought, man, this is fantastic. And I knew I needed to become an investor, but life gets in the way. I like, like for everybody, life gets in the way. So I'll tell you this quick story of what catapulted me into becoming a real estate investor, Lindsay. So my wife and I, so I'm working a regular nine to five job, like I said, at the county doing IT work. And my wife and I started having kid after kid. Eventually we had 
four kids. And once my fourth child was born, she, you know, her name's Faith. She's a beautiful little girl holding her in my arms. And I go on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers and, you know, bonds with the baby and all that great stuff. And so I was off for about two weeks and then I go back to work. Remember my nine to five sit down job. And that week that I get back to work, I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, like the, the top dog. I get a call from her and she says, Dustin, would you please come to the office? And I said, sure. And then I hung up the phone and I sat there for a second. and I thought, my goodness, why are they calling me to the office? Like, this isn't normal. And I've seen plenty of movies. Like, if they're going to fire somebody, it's going to be at 3.30 on a Friday. I was like, well, no way. I, I immediately shook that off because I realized, or I was thinking, I have so much seniority here. I've been here 12, 13 years. My bosses give me raises all the time. They think I do a great job. There is no way that it could possibly be me. So I get up and I start walking down the hallway to my boss's office. And as I'm walking, I start remembering that there were some rumors or some rumbling going on about two months before I went on paternity leave, that there could potentially be layoffs. So that started weighing on me. Now, this hallway wasn't very long. In fact, it was kind of short, but every single step that I took, it felt like that hallway got longer and longer and longer. And it felt like my feet became lead bricks because it was weighing on me that this could potentially be the time that I get laid off, right? I lose my job. Well, I make it through the hallway and I turn the corner and I see my boss's door. His door's closed. And I look at his secretary and she... Sheepishly, she kind of grins at me and kind of consoling me with her eyes and because she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. She says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? So I go and I take a seat in that chair. And as I'm sitting there, I start to think about my life and what I've been told, like we're all told to get a career with, you know, going to school and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, my goodness, if I get laid off now, was that all a waste of my life? And then I thought, wow, if I can't feed my family, what does that make me as a, a father? Does that make me a failure as a father? Does that make me a failure as a husband, as a man, try to provide for his family? Well, as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy. My forehead gets all sweaty because the nerves of everything is just weighing down on me and crushing me. Well, the door to my boss's office opens up and out walks a lady, a coworker of mine with a piece of paper in her hands. She is noticeably distraught, noticeably upset, not necessarily crying, but you could tell her world has literally been devastated. She passes by me and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come into the office? And I get up and I walk into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. So if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. So I take that layoff notice and I walk back to my desk and I sit down and I realize two things sitting there and then in that uh, just after getting laid off. First thing I realized was I need to get another job. I needed to be able to provide for my family. So I was really, really blessed, praise the Lord, to be able to find another job in the same county, a different department. They had money that they could hire me. Really blessed. Didn't skip a beat. That was great. But then sitting there in that chair, I realized the second thing. And this is the reason why I tell the story. I realized that I need to make sure that nobody ever has the ability to take away my ability to feed my family. And I need to make sure that this never, ever happens to me Again, right there, then and there, I realized whenever anybody would ask me the question, and everybody gets this question all the time, what do you do? They'd say, Dustin, what do you do? And I say, well, I work for the county. I do IT work for the county. And then I realized sitting there, I'm putting my value in myself in my job. My value doesn't come from my job. My value comes from my, myself, from my God and my family. And so sitting there, I realized I no longer would I tell anybody what I do for my job as my value. 
I realized now I needed to become an investor. Because remember, I wanted to be an investor, but life got in the way. I stopped becoming an investor. And so right then and there, I started telling every single person that I met when they asked me what I did, I started telling them I am an investor. Now, it may so happen that 100% of my money comes from my job. That's now my part-time job. I am a full-time investor. Fast forward the story, started buying property after property, each one making me $250 or more in passive income from every single one that I bought. After five, no, about five or six years, I had enough properties where all my expenses were covered by them. And I realized, oh my goodness, even though I'm making $75,000 a year here at this job, I'm losing money. So I, I'll round out the story by sharing. I went to my new boss and great boss and everything. And I gave him a layoff notice. I said, boss, I'm laying you off, you know, jokingly, of course, but I gave my two weeks notice. He said, Dustin, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't have to do anything. I own real estate that makes me money without working. And so I'll round up this story by sharing. You remember that short hallway that got longer and longer and longer that I walked to my, my first boss? Well, I walked away from my job. It's a mile and a half walk because I was working in downtown. I didn't want to pay for parking. So I've taken this walk a thousand, thousand times. I felt like I was walking on clouds because I knew that I would never ever need a job again because I had real estate that would that makes me money without even working. And from that point forward, 37 years old, now I'll never need a job again. So I'll pause the story because you probably got plenty of questions. Oh man, well, I mean, I'm over here thinking like, holy mokes, if we didn't even go any further into the, the details of what you're doing, this alone is an amazing episode because I think it's something that so many people... It's one of those things, I mean, I'll just be real candid. I think it's one of those things that people are aware of, but haven't articulated in their own life. And that is especially becoming prevalent with COVID and how many people, how tedious, tenuous, I think is the word I'm looking for. Um, our jobs are, how, how precious that is. And you're right about that, that identity. You know, it's like when we get laid off, the worst part about it is the, the, I don't know, mental bashing we do. Was I not good enough? Absolutely. Was it this? And it has nothing. If we are getting our self-worth from within, from God, from our joy, right? Rather than from our job and what other people think of us, it wouldn't matter. We'd be like, all right, peace. <laughs> On <Absolutely. something> else. <laughs> so I just think that is such an empowering, like an empowering moment to have that and to be able to be blessed with that at such a young age and then to get inspired to do something about it and then you took action i mean those are the three steps right you had the awareness you had the idea the clarity and then you took action and if everybody just followed that listen to dustin's words get your inspiration get your clarity and take action you know we could wrap it right now and it's a good <laughs> one <laughs> well, absolutely and totally agree i could have sat there in my chair and just said, what was me? And literally just hung my head and not do anything and literally just waste away. I could have done that. In fact, I did feel that a little bit. And then I realized, no, I have my family that needs me. They need me to support them. And then as I realized that it was upon me to take care of my family, then I realized I needed a plan and I already had the plan. I just now needed to work that plan and be diligent. And here's what I did. I realized that I could eventually replace my income and cover my expenses from real estate investing. And then I realized that I was, I, I let life get in the way and we all do and it, it's fine, it happens. But if we let that stop us and 
it, and here's a quote. I love the quote. I didn't realize it until actually this happened to me. So it's not if you lose your job or get fired from your job, it's when. And I realized, man, I, I went to work for the government, like I said, like I went to the most secure that I thought secure type of job ever. And then I got, I lost that job. But here's the thing that we all need to realize. And this is for me a lot. I, I, so I coach a lot of people how to invest in real estate. And a lot of people say it's risky to invest in real estate. I'm now from this point of view, being a real estate investor, I have 30 plus properties now, I'm all making me a minimum of $250 or more. I'm realizing now that it's more risky to work for somebody else who can literally take away your ability to feed your family. And I thought, my goodness, it's so much risk, more risky to not invest in real estate. And here's the thing, if you invest the right way, just like if you start any business the right way, you're gonna do well. You just need to know how to do it. And that's what I love to teach everybody is like, hey, this is how I did it, X, Y, and Z, basically step-by-step step how I did it and how you can do it. Now I've literally coached hundreds of students either, you know, and so they have either you know bought their first property, jumped into second, third, and fourth, which is fantastic. And then being able to quit their job. It's just, you need to know where you wanna go and then keep moving forward. This episode is brought to you by Kajabi, the platform with a full suite of world-class online business tools working seamlessly together. I've been using Kajabi now for nearly a year, and I'm absolutely in love with this program. Prior to Kajabi, I was experimenting with other platforms, and so many of them were not user-friendly. They were difficult to get online pages to sync up with the cart or getting opt-ins and emails to be easily set up. I was beginning to dread the time it was going to take to set up a simple landing page. Honestly, I can say that since working with Kajabi, I have been extremely happy. I can't imagine leaving for any reason at this point, mainly because it saves me so much time and it doesn't give me a headache. Listen, I consider myself pretty tech savvy for the most part, but that doesn't mean that I want to be a tech genius every time I want to put together an offer. Kajabi makes it so simple to create online products and it gives me the tools I need so my marketing is synchronized. I really can't say enough great things about Kajabi. If you click the link in the description, you will get a free 30-day trial with Kajabi on behalf of the Passive Income Examiner. So be sure to check out the description. Now back to the show. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And it doesn't, and like you said earlier, it doesn't matter if you choose real estate. I mean, real estate is one strategy, which we're going to talk about today, but I mean, and even if you had multiple strategies, I mean, you clearly do now you put yourself in that position because of your time. Now you have online business, you have coaching, you have multiple streams of income that are producing. Ultimately, that's the ideal. I did a, I did a reel recently. It was like, how many passive income streams should I have? It's like as many as you can. <laughs> like, Why do we need to limit ourselves here? <laughs> Let me add one thing to that. So I love passive income streams. In fact, I was just talking to my wife the other day. I was like, I said, honey, you, I, we just get money every single day from ev like lots and lots, everything from our real estate to affiliates, to coaching, to, I have, so, we have so many different ways that money comes into our lives, which is a blessing. Now, here's the thing that I've realized on top of that for me. So income strings are fantastic. I first believe that we should go after, now income strings are great, don't get me wrong. I'm saying there should, we should go after income strings, but all of my income streams flow into my river. I have income river, which is my real estate. So all the money that I get from every single business goes back into my river 
of income, which is coming from real estate. And that's what blessed me to be able to quit my job is because I had that river of income coming in. And then on top of that, I had so many other streams that kept feeding into that river. Does that make sense? Yes. And I agree with you. In fact, I was just talking to somebody. I can't remember who, because I've talked to quite a few people, but I was saying how, you know, if you listen back to my podcast and I don't know how much of the podcast you listened to before you came on, but the first year was very real estate oriented. The second year we've been really keeping it online business oriented. <clears throat> and you're actually the first real estate guest that I've interviewed this year. And the reason for that is I'm because, that's great. yeah, well, and I, here's my belief. And I, I got started with real estate too. That's how, that's actually where most of my passive income is coming from. But when I started, so um, I would say that for people who want to leave their nine to five, people who are just getting started, people who maybe think that real estate is risky when maybe it is, maybe they don't have the credit or the down or whatever, um, start with building an online system that ultimately you use to invest in real estate. I mean, I am a huge proponent Absolutely. of that because, and especially in the United States. Oh, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine and in, in, um, he lives in Bali and he was saying, and, and this guy is an automation king. Like I call him the automation king. Like <laughs> he is everything about passive income when it comes to online business. And he owns beachfront property in Bali. And he was like, you know, I own tons of acres. He goes, but I kind of feel like it's, what's the point? It just costs me a lot of money. And I thought, well, that's odd. I said, from, from the United States perspective, you know, owning real estate rentals, especially it offsets us in taxes, like so much. It's such a, oh, a benefit. Man. But it's not like that in other countries. It was interesting to me to hear that. I don't know, just random food for thought. No, but I never heard that. Yeah. But America, you, okay, on top of that, and you would know this, Lindsay, because you're an investor, we make money six different ways when we buy just one rental property. So first way is passive income. We calculate our expenses. We make sure we could rent it for more than expenses. My suggestion, what I teach all my students is $250 or more in passive income. That's to feed your family, all that sort of stuff. So that's one, passive income. Another one is equity capture. We're investors. We're not going to pay top dollar or above or even at market value. We're going to buy it for less. So we capture equity. So if you buy it for, let's say, $150,000, but it's worth $175,000, then you capture $25,000 in equity. We also know forced appreciation, you know, you put some paint on it, put some new flooring in, put a little money into it, it'll be worth more. So hopefully you put in five grand, it'll come out worth maybe $20,000 more. So you capture $15,000 equity. The market's going to go up with inflation and whatever. It's going to go up. Another one, like you said, Lindsay, tax benefits are amazing. If nobody is, if you've never experienced depreciation on your taxes, it is so amazing. I love depreciation. That's one of many tax benefits. The last one, and I love this almost as much a passive income because I, I feed my family off the passive income, but this one is fantastic. So I do not pay for my taxes my, personally. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay for repairs. I don't pay for ant stuff. My tenants pay for that. Now, this so happens the money comes into me and back out to all these bills. So with my mortgage, if I buy a house and I put money down and I buy the house, I still have principal and interest that I need to pay, but it's not me that pays it. The tenants pay for every bit of that. So if I own it, let's say if I get a 30-year loan and after 30 years, it's paid off. I have the asset, but my tenants paid for that. So many great things. I mean, this is just scratching the surface of how amazing real estate investing is. Yeah, no, that is so true. And, and you know, when you look at it like, how many people can say that they own property free and clear? And more importantly, how many can say that 
I didn't pay for it either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. think about 100%. it. Cause I mean, when your tenants are paying it down, you're not, you're just really just taking the extra and using that to pay your own personal mortgage. If that be your food or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, that's the benefit of, of real estate. So let's, let's dive into it a little bit. Let's, let's go into the system. Like you mentioned early that, you know, you kind of have a system now, right? After your first deal, you, how many, it took, you said you have 30 houses. It took you some time to build up to that over time, obviously. So what is your system? Let's, let's kind of talk about that. So people kind of have a visual for not just one, one property, but let's talk about becoming successfully unemployed through real estate. How would you do that? That's totally, totally. So here is what, actually, let me quickly share the wrong way to do it, which is what I did. I started, I started in 2006 when I first started investing. I listened to those quote unquote gurus. So then I'll quickly give you the, sh- the wrong way to do it. And then I'll give you the right way. So in 2006 ish, right around there, I watched one of those, you know, late night infomercials. Hey, we're coming to your town. It's a free seminar. We're going to, you know, you're going to for free teach you how to invest. Well, basically it's a sales pitch. So I went to that. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about this. So I just went and I went and it was a sales pitch for, hey, now run to the back and go give us thousands of dollars on your credit card. And you know, it's, it's discounted. It's normally $100,000, but it's discounted $1,000. We're only taking the first thousand people. So I did, I ran to the back, used my credit card. And then I went to this two-day seminar that they had. And it was basically another sales pitch for more either courses or coaching or whatever. It was like $40,000 for real estate investing, $50,000 for flipping, $20,000 for wholesaling, all these different things. And I'm like, man, if I had that much money, I just learned from the school of hard knocks. I'd buy my own property because I didn't have that money. So fast forward now, here's what they told me to do. And this is the wrong way. Quickly go over it really quick, the wrong way. You'll hear it and then you'll be like, oh man, they do say that. And then hopefully forget it because you don't want to do this. So they told me, invest anywhere in the country, find a property. Now, I, I will say I invest all over the country. So that's not the bad thing. But this is what they tell you. Find a property anywhere in the country and run the numbers, which means make sure you make a little bit more in passive income, $50 or so, but you're going to get appreciation. You're going to love appreciation, which I'll pause this and say, I absolutely don't invest for appreciation. I love appreciation. Don't get me wrong, but this is generational wealth that I am building. I'm literally going to give these properties to my kids. Like if you can see the video, I'm literally going to give these properties to my kids. So appreciation is not what I invest for, but that's what they say is run the numbers, Make sure you're making a little bit of money in passive income. Then you're going to get appreciation. Then they tell you, buy the property. Spend thousands of dollars to buy the property. Then you spend thousands of dollars to fix up the property to get it rentable. Then you find a tenant, and then you get a property manager to manage the property. Well, in my opinion, that's literally just about backwards. We don't do that. In fact, that's what I did. And my first property that I bought my property manager started stealing from me within six months because I found a realtor and a property manager and I put them together and she started stealing from me. It was just, it didn't work out well. And the reason why is because I was following what other people were telling me. But then I said, well, first, if I would have stopped there and said, oh, it just doesn't work, I wouldn't be here today. So I knew it worked. I just had to figure that out. Now, if you remember, I said, I'm very entrepreneurial. So I, I love business. And I, I said, let me approach this from a business perspective. Let me approach this as building a business and then buying property. This is, uh, actually, I'll give you a quick example of what it looks like. If you're going to start a convenience store, you know, a convenience store, candy bars and soda machines, you're not going to sign a lease on a location, open the doors and set a box of candy bars in on the ground. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd go out of business in like two seconds. What you would do though, is you'd build the business first. You'll hear me say this all the time. 
we build the business first. We get the gondolas. Those are shelving units that the candy bars go on, the countertops, cold storage, fountain machines, bank accounts, cash registers, insurance, all these other things in the business before we buy any inventory. We make sure we have somebody to manage the business before we buy any inventory. Once the business is set up, then we buy inventory and put it into our business. Same thing with real estate investing. This is how I make my business automatic. And I'll quickly go into it. Well, first I'll share. A lot of people have heard of the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. It's a good book and all, but I don't want to work four hours a week. In fact, I find working four hours a week is for suckers. I don't even want to work four hours a month. I maybe work 30 minutes a month on my real estate because I set up the business and I just have the property manager send me the statements. I look at the statements, look, make sure everything's good and put it back aside to have go back to playing with my kids. Now, what we do here at Master Passive Income, how I teach my students is we build the business first. We do everything in the business and then we buy our inventory. Now, the gurus will tell you, you buy one property, that property is your business. No, 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 no. We own a business and that business owns inventory. So we build the entire business and then we buy one property that's going to make us $250 or more in passive income from every property. Then we put that into our business and that's how we can scale the business because we have other people doing the work for us. And I'll quickly get run through the first people. In fact, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little more like one-on-one -on -one coaching, what I do with my students. First thing we do, and remember, we invest all over the country. The first place is we find, or first thing we do is find a good city that has good inventory the type of properties we want to buy at the price, right price range that have a good amount of rent that we can make $250 or more. Like if you go to San Francisco, more than likely it's going to be really hard to do that. So you don't have inventory. Now the property's there, but that's not inventory for your business. So what we do, let's say Midwest. A lot of my students invest in the Midwest, down in the Carolinas, in Florida. A lot of great, great properties there for a little lower in price, let's say $100,000 $150,000. Now, if you live on the coastlines, yes, there are properties that sell for $100,000 and they're still great properties. And remember, you're not buying this for you to live in. You might be thinking, I don't want to buy $100,000. I wouldn't live there. Well, think about this. If you own a convenience store, you may not even care to try or taste all of the candy bars that you buy, but your customers do. Your customers want those candy bars just because you're not going to eat them doesn't matter. Same thing with real estate investing. You may never live in that property. You may never even care to visit that state. In fact, we invest in states we've never literally stepped foot in, but that doesn't matter. Other people will. So as long as we find that the city has good inventory, here's my suggestion. Three bedroom, this is a cookie cutter home that we love to invest in. Ones that either people want to rent or people want to buy. So that's, that's the, goal, the goal that we want. So three bedroom, two bath, 1,200 to 1,500 square feet. We don't want it too small where people wouldn't want to live in. We don't want it too big where there's extra walls to paint, extra toilets to fix, and all that sort of stuff. Cookie cutter type home. And then we find the right price range, the inventory that has the right price range, that we would make $250 or more in passive income. Then we build the business around that city. We start finding the property managers. First step, and here's what a lot of students do. They jump right to, hey, Dustin, I found a city, and I've already got five realtors sending me deals or sending me properties. I'm like, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. Realtors and finding deals are last. That's way down the line. We want to build the business first so that it can run itself. Deals are going to come. In fact, realtors are happy to send you deals, but you're putting the cart before the horse. What we want to do is find the right property manager. And remember, where my property manager started stealing from me, well, the thing is, when you're building a business, let's say that convenience store analogy again, 
you're not going to grab somebody off the street. Hey, you got a pulse. You come and manage my business, manage the inventory, manage all my money, talk to the customer. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to interview these managers. Now, imagine if you followed what the gurus had said, which is, you know, the whole wrong way. And then you buy a property and then you try to find a property manager. And every property manager you call says, man, there's no way I'm going to manage that property because I'll get shot there. You know, I'm not going to, there's no way I'm going to work there. Then you no longer have an asset anymore. You have a liability because you don't have anybody to manage the property. So that's what we look at is building the business, finding the right people to work in the business. And then we buy inventory that we put into our business. Does that all make sense? Yes. And I have a question. I see I raised my hand. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realize I'm like, oh, hey, (laughs) Um, because I was thinking on that note, like you're absolutely right with everything you're saying. I would never do a rental as the landlord. And I think that's one of the biggest things that turns people off even about real estate is I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want to deal with people. That's great because there's property managers who do it all day long. They know the laws. They know how to talk to people. They just, they're, I a hundred percent agree with you. The question I have though. So, you know, I'm in Idaho. Let's say I want to invest in Tallahassee. How do I know that I'm working with somebody reliable and reputable who, I mean, pretend I have no experience dealing with people. I don't know what questions to ask, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, what do you do to, to vet, so to speak? Your property manager seems to me like the most important person you need to have on your team that you can trust of all, right? I mean, the title company probably second, but that one numero uno. So what do you do to find a good property manager? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's brilliant. And what we do is we interview just like we're interviewing employees. If we have a regular business, we're going to interview them. That's how we find them. Now, here's the thing you want to find experts and you're, well, I'll get, I'll drill down to your question of like how, like what we should ask and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of people, when they start investing, they get stuck looking at places or websites like Zillow. Zillow's not an expert. Redfin's not an expert. Truly is not an expert. Who are the experts? Is there those people that are living there on the ground who are literally doing business every single day? Those people are the experts. And the expert would be like you, you call your property manager. This is what I do all the time. Hey, property manager, I'm looking at this property. Here's the address. Tell me about it. How much can I rent it for? What type of clientele am I going to get? And will you even manage the property? And a good property manager say, oh, yeah, I know that area. In fact, we were trying, I had a property right around the corner from there. We were trying to get 1200 for it. We couldn't, we could only get 1100 Zillow was saying 1200 but we couldn't get it. We only can get 1100 Well, my goodness, that is gold. Like that's information you need. Now, those are the experts. Now, what we do when we build any business and hire employees, even though they're contractors, consider them employees. What we're doing is we're hiring and we need to interview them. Now, as far as what to say, what questions you ask, like all my students, I literally have a big long list of 22 questions that we should ask our property managers and the answers to what they should be saying back to you. And so with that, what we do is we interview a property manager. Now, texting is not an interview. Email is not an interview. If you can get them on a Zoom call, that's great. But more than likely, they're too busy for that. Phone calls, those are interviews. And my suggestion is to interview them. And this is what I did not do for my first property, you know, the first property manager that started stealing from me did not do my interviews. I did not build the business first. Now what we do is we want to interview them multiple times and call as many property managers to interview 
to make sure you find the right one because you're going to find out. And like I said, I have that big laundry list that helps of, of questions that help students. And here's the here's what I few keys that I look for in property manager. I have a number of property managers now, so we look for obviously trustworthiness. We want to make sure that when we're talking them on the phone, uh, most people can get a somewhat an idea if somebody is like you know shady just from talking on the phone or if they're they they sound like they know what they're doing like they have experience like they're they want to help you if they're givers as opposed to takers when you talk to one person on the phone for let's say 10 15 minutes you're going to get a somewhat of a sense but at the same time with that you want to interview them more than one time because anybody can sound great on the phone once so trustworthiness we call them two or three times before we actually hire them. And the reason why is because we want to make sure what we know as we've talked to, to these property managers is consistent. So that's one, trustworthiness. The second one for me is big time because I live in Arizona. I don't want to fly to any state. I don't want to do anything. Communication. That's a huge level. So trustworthiness and then uh, communication. My big question that I always ask every property manager before I hire them, what is a reasonable turnaround time when I call you on the phone or send you a text, because obviously I've already hired them. So it's like a question, hey, what's about this property? Um, or send you an email. What's a reasonable amount of time from you when I try to reach out to you to get back to me? I personally believe 24 hours is, that's absolutely reasonable. If you are taking two, three, four weeks or day, days, if not weeks to get back to me, then that's very, very telling for me because this is how I feed my family. I don't want my property manager to not call me back. And here's a big tip I'll give everybody. When you're hiring a property manager, when you're interviewing them, they are basically like you are their customer. The tenants are not their customer. You as the owner of the property is their customer. Now, before they have your business, if they don't call you back or if they're taking forever and they kind of blow you off, Imagine how bad it's going to be when they have your money. If they have your money, like, oh, I don't want to talk to this person. Boom. They're just, no, not ghost you. Not, not call you back. We don't want that. We want to talk to people as we interview them. See trustworthiness, communication, as well as experience. We ask for references. Hey, can you give me one or two references of other landlords that you currently work with? I'm not going to take up most of the time. It might be one or two minutes. Just see how you're doing with your, your business. So those are the three main things among many other things. But those are the three main things that we look for in our property managers. And calling them and interviewing them multiple times will help you to really figure out who is the best one. And then from there, let's say we've called six different property managers. We have an order. Like, hey, the first one we're going to go with. That's our number one rank. Then a second one, if the first one falls off, we can call it the second one. So we have all this homework done so that we can always be prepared if anything happened in our business. I love that. That's really, really valuable um, information. I mean, it is hard. I think that's actually one of the hardest things. And I, I my brain just went in like a million directions. Hold on. <laughs> Let me recap. <laughs> well, for well, you're starters, 100%. It is the hardest. That is the hardest part. You're right. Well, and because right now, a lot of people that may want to get into real estate, they're looking at the housing market in their area going, there is no way that I could invest here. I mean, unless you get super lucky and find somebody who's desperate to sell, which at that moment, most of them can just put it on the market in the worst condition and still sell it. So what do you do, right? So you have to start looking bigger. You have to look across the globe or country or whatever, bigger than your, ne your neck of the woods. And then that's when everybody kind of puts the brakes on because it's like, well, I don't know anybody over there. I don't want to have to fly out there and go scouting properties and talking to people. And 
holy smokes, I've heard of this thing called virtual investing. And I've kind of even been wondering that myself, like, what does that even mean? Who can really buy a property sight unseen? And I've seen people do it because I'm in some investor clubs on Facebook. People literally going by pictures and Google, which to me- I bought 30 of them. Yes, I bought 30 plus properties now without even seeing it. In fact, the first property that I saw, I flew out to Ohio where I bought my first property. The very first property I've, I've ever saw, I bought it. It's, I still own it. It still makes me money. But from that point forward, I'm like, I'm not flying anywhere else. Right. Pictures are fine. And the experts are great. Like inspectors. Inspectors are your best friends. Insurance agents, mortgage brokers, realtors, property managers. Like They're going to do all the hard work for you. Now, it is a little hard to get over that trust factor that, you know, like the risk factor in your, you know, in your mind. Like, do I want to take the risk and trust these people? Well, if you do, you're going to find out that if you do it right by interviewing, finding the right people, it's really going to help you to be okay with having properties that are, you'll never see. I, I don't I'll probably never see any of my properties because I don't care to other people will. And I have other people managing them. Yeah. See, and that's, what's so valuable about what you're saying about creating the business. That's kind of what I was leading up to is I think, you know, people who are scared need to understand that there, there are ways to do it. Don't just let it stop you by looking around you and saying, oh, there's no way, or I'll just wait a few years till the market crashes. I mean, that's fine, but why not already have, you know, three or four properties that you can leverage to buy something, you know, when that market changes or whatever, you know, so there's many ways to do it. Yeah. I thought back in 2017 that the market, I was like, man, the market's getting high. It's probably going to correct sometime soon. And obviously I was wrong there. And if I would have stopped buying then, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And my students, I've coached so many students. I'll give you an example. Here's one that was, it was amazing because it was right before the coronavirus, you know, March of 2020. So he started one-on-one coaching with me and his name's Benjamin. And we started in December of 2019. So, you know, three, four months before the coronavirus hit, which just did a lot of damage. Um, He started coaching with me. In 18 months, he bought 11 duplexes, 22 units during the coronavirus. And now he's making, I think, seven or $8,000 a month in passive income from each, or sorry, from all these properties combined. And so now he, if he wants to quit, he can, but he likes his job. So he's still working and buying even more properties. But if you would let your, uh, if you're scared or if you're worried, if you let that stop you, then you're not going to be able to move forward. In fact, I had a student. I'll give you a quick example of another one. So um, actually, funny enough, another Benjamin. Benjamin he <laughs> California. He's, a pa- yeah, it's funny. Uh, his, he's a pastor. And he didn't have a lot of money saved up, but he had his home that had a lot of equity in it. And he knew eventually he'll retire. He wants to invest and still serve in his church and want to be a little more financially stable. And he said, hey, Dustin, I have equity. Can we use that? I'll give you fast forward what happened. We took his home equity. He got a line of credit on his house, his personal residence, a line of credit. And then we built the business first so that he can then have experts then show him which are the right properties and all that sort of stuff. Fast forward, he bought his first property. Now he's since bought two and three more. He, like, he just keeps growing. But with that, he uses home equity to buy the property. He bought it for, I want to say $72,000 total. And with that, he's making... $312 or something like that in passive income, like over, over two of fifties, which is the minimum. And it ref, uh, um, sorry, it appraised for a hundred and like three, $102,000. So like 30 grand more than what he bought it for. And so now we are in the process of refinancing that property. Cause remember he paid cash for it. It just came from his home equity. 
So he's going to get a, a 75 or 80% loan. So he might even pull out $80,000, put five grand or so in his pocket and use that other 75 to pay off the home equity line of credit. Now he has a rental property that's making him, I want to say it's probably close to like $312 in passive income. And now he still has a home equity that he paid off that he can do that again. Mm -hmm. And he basically doesn't have any of his own money in this deal, in this one property, none of his own money. So fast forward, you don't let things stop you. There are ways around doing this. And that's what I love showing my students is that there are so many ways to do this real estate investing business. As long as we know how to do it, we have somebody that's done before that can show us you're going to be successful. Well, I have to say, I've talked to a lot of people and I have my own experience in real estate. I've been to those seminars. I've signed up for those programs. <laughs> I get what you're saying. And you're a great teacher. I mean, you're really, I can tell that you're a very Thank thorough you. teacher. You take time to make sure somebody understands, but you also help hold their hand, which is personally the thing that I see missing in so many real estate training programs is that they just want to give the bare information and let you go scrape and scrimp and figure it out and then come beg them for help so they can take part of your deal. <laughs> no, I, you're hundred percent right. And I really, honestly, I really appreciate you saying that. And I'll add one little quick thing to that. So as I was doing this, remember I had friends and family members coming to me because I didn't know I wanted to teach this. And like, I didn't know it was fun for me, but it absolutely is a huge blast for me. But I had friends and family members coming to me and say, hey, Dustin, can you show us how to do it? And I would do it like one-on-one, but I realized it takes so much time to do with one-on-one. Everybody has great questions. They're beginner questions, but they're good questions. So I wrote a book. And that was the first thing I did. I wrote a book. I said, hey, read this. And then when it answers your beginner questions, then I can help you one-on-one. Fast forward to now, what I love doing is making sure that I'm coaching people along the way. Because what I was doing with the book, podcast, and YouTube, and all that sort of stuff, I had a course. I was selling courses. But I, I don't necessarily need the money at all. I have all my real estate coming in. And what I realized was people were buying the course, and 20% of them were finishing it. And I was, I was so bummed out because I didn't make it just to make money. I want to help people. So what I did was I implemented one-on-one coaching and group coaching. So one-on-one coaching costs more because it's my time. And my wife said, hey, if you're going to be giving your time to somebody else, you better charge for that. If not, just don't do it and come hang out with us and help us with the family. And so with that, I realized one-on-one coaching is a little more higher than most people can afford. Uh, And so I started a group coaching, much lower price. They get all the courses and all that sort of stuff because I found it's so much more rewarding for me when I see my students become successful. It's not the money. It's like, man, look at them succeed. And now literally have on any group coaching call, I'll have like 20 students on the call at one time and helping them each and every single one. It's just, it's such a blessing. And I'll quickly add one more thing, Lindsay. So my first goal when I was 27 years old, I said, I want to quit my job by the time I'm 37. Like I said, I was blessed to be able to quit and become successful, successfully unemployed at 37. Then I said, I need another goal. I just need a goal just so I can have something to achieve and reach to. And so I told myself, I want to make a million dollars a year from all my businesses. That's my new goal. It's not necessarily the money. It's the quantitative goal. Like I can hit it and I know when I hit it. But I kid you not, Lindsay, after about a year, I was so bored of that goal. In fact, it was like a deterrent. I didn't want to do because it's not the money that I cared about. Then I realized, my goodness, that's that goal is not making me do more sacrifice to actually move forward. So I changed my goal. Now, this is literally my passion. Now, my passion and my goal now is to help 1 million people to invest in real estate 
and help them to do it. And so from that, with my you know free podcast and YouTube channel, like giving all the stuff away, as well as I even started a real estate conference. It's called the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. It's we meet. It's it's a gathering together. We meet in Phoenix uh, once a year. Might do East Coast next year. Fast forward now. We had 250 people there at the conference. That's just on my way of helping a million people to invest in real estate because I found the more people that I help in general, having good properties for them to live in, teaching people how to invest, creating products, that all this sort of stuff, right. the more people that I help, the better my life gets and the better everybody else's life gets. Oh, well, thanks for including me in part of that, like sharing your message here on the podcast so we can oh, bless people you. together. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> exactly. It's all, it's so true. Like I feel that way too, when I help them build a business, you know, and, or like they have a passion and they feel a call to, you know, share their knowledge in some way. I know that they're going to make a, a difference in somebody's life. And like, I'm a little piece of that, that gets to go with that. So I totally get that. And that's Absolutely. just, that is totally rewarding. Okay. So where can people find you? Uh, where would be the best place? Yeah, absolutely. Now, actually, I do have a free course that I just love to give away, oh, showing sure. people everything we talk about. You mind if I share that? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. So, yeah, I just love showing. I'll literally give it to you. Everything I talked about and then some, like literally outline, find an area of the country to invest, how to build a business first, how to scale your business to make money so you can quit your job. If you text the word rental, R E N T A L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give it to you for free. Or you can go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. All one word forward slash free course. And I'll give it to you. And then I also have my podcast, the Master Passive Income Podcast, where it's I rarely do interviews. It's just me teaching how to do this investing. My YouTube channel, my articles, and all that sort of stuff. But I just love helping as many people out as possible. That's so good. So good. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, do you have any words of wisdom for those people who might just be kind of, I don't know, on the fence? Yeah. So one thing that struck me when I knew about your podcast, I found out about your podcast, I was going to be on it. Like, oh man, I love the idea of passive income. That's like my favorite thing is passive income. I realized trading an hour for a dollar or however many dollars, let's say you're making a hundred dollars an hour. That doesn't matter because if you... It's not good enough. Your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. And this is how you'll know this. Your boss is paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money that's taking money out of their pocket. So when you start getting paid for the value that you bring by being an investor, starting your own business, uh, whatever it might be, you're going to get paid so much more than you're ever worth. And I realize that now. My, my goodness, thank God I quit that $75,000 a year job. Now I make so much more money because all my real estate – makes me so much more money. So everybody needs to realize your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. So true. I love this. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Liz. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. If you like mommy, so leave a review. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I am truly grateful for you. And if this podcast has inspired you in any way, head over to iTunes and leave a written review. I would appreciate it so much. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for helping to spread the word by sharing this show with your friends.